0: Hello, this is Dr. Eugene K. Choi, and you are listening to the Neurohacking Podcast. If you're a heart-driven leader, then this podcast will show you the proven, science-based ways to tap into your unique superpowers. That way, you develop the skills to perform and feel at your best. And believe it or not, the only reason you get stuck and get uninspired and unmotivated is because your brain's been programmed to behave that way. And I started this podcast to show you how to rewire those parts of your brain that aren't serving you. So that you can learn the skills to activate your highest levels of performance, get your energy back, and find the clarity you need right now on how to powerfully create that life that you alone were meant to live. All using science that you can learn to use. You are listening to episode three And today we're going to talk about four powerful tools to activate your executive state. You know, one of the most exciting things about where science is at today is that we know more about the brain than we ever did before 20 years ago. And there's a lot of mind-blowing discoveries that have been made that proved a lot of the widespread beliefs were wrong. For example, that whole saying that, you know, old people are set in their ways, you know, you can't teach a old dog new tricks has been proven completely false because neuroscience shows that our brains are capable of rewiring and setting up new neural connections till our dying breath. You can always learn something new. There's a term called neuroplasticity that proves this case, that through things like meditation, exercise, And novelty, creating new experiences for ourselves, literally rewires our brain over and over so that we can always be learning something new. So today I want to review what we talked about on the last episode, because everything that my work involves is helping rewire our brains to help reach your highest levels of clarity, your highest levels of performance, your highest levels of energy. And it all starts with understanding that your brain really operates in only one of two states. It's that survival state, which is only meant for life-threatening scenarios because you need your brain to be reacting without thinking versus the executive state, which is where all of your amazing superpowers come from. Your ability to solve problems, your ability to make good decisions, your ability to have empathy and connect with people all come from this executive state. But research has shown that we're in that reactive survival state for at least 70% of our adult lives because of things that have to do with emotional survival, right? How often do you feel stressed on a daily basis? How often do you feel anxious? How often do you feel frustrated? How often do you feel afraid? And that's the very thing that's preventing us from entering into that powerful executive state because you're only in one or the other If your survival state is on, your executive state is off. Your executive state is on, your survival state is off. It's that simple. So now that we've gone over that, how much survival state do you see around you now? Not just in yourself, but also in the people around you. How much of that fight-flight-freeze response are you recognizing everywhere? It's pretty mind-blowing, isn't it? When people get defensive when people develop road rage, when you get upset at someone, can you see how that's all the fight response when you procrastinate or when you numb yourself by overwatching television or binge watching Netflix to be more current or numbing yourself with alcohol, sex, drugs, whatever it is. Can you see how that's all a flight response? That's all reactive. It's your brain does it without you telling it to because that's literally part of your brain that reacts without thinking to try to protect yourself from this thing you don't like feeling or how much inaction do you enter into, which is the freeze response when you're overwhelmed, hoping that if I just stop taking action, the uncomfortable feelings will go away. So I'm here to help talk about how to address all of the survival state that happens inside of us. To at least try to decrease it so that we're able to enter into the better part of ourselves. Not only to discover the opportunities and solutions that you have around you, but more importantly, you start feeling a lot better on a more continual basis. So there's two ways to look at this. There's the long-term plan on how to get yourself into an executive state on a more moment-to-moment basis. And there's the short-term plan. Today, I want to talk about the short-term plan. Because without the short-term, we can't enter into talking about the long-term. Because in the short-term, you feel stuck when you're in the survival state, right? When you're in it, you're in it, right? When you've already gotten upset and you're in that train of thought that happens, right? Whether it's of guilt, shame, blame, rejection, whatever kind of emotions that we're feeling that we're trying to survive from we already react you're already in a reactive state so it's basically like your brain has been hijacked and the survival state has taken the wheel and you you have lost control over your actions by that point because in a survival state we do need that to happen right because if a tiger's in front of you about to eat you and you're sitting there thinking about what to do the tiger's already eaten you that's why you need your body to literally react in the moment whether that's to you know run as fast as you can away from the threat or to pick up a weapon and fight. Your body needs to do this without you thinking uh, because it's that reactive time. Uh, The time is really important, right? This is why research shows that we react uh, before even thinking. Uh, If you see something out of the corner of your eye, like a rattlesnake, your body reacts before your brain even registers what happened. So that's kind of what's happening when you're in the survival state, especially for emotional survival. So in the short term, as you're becoming more aware of this, which is exactly what we talked about in the last episode, which is that awareness is key. The more you're aware of what's actually happening here, which is simply it's either you're in a survival state or an executive state, the more power you have to start changing the things that aren't serving you. Because the more we're in our survival state, the more we're feeling stuck. The more we're feeling like we can't get to the solutions and the opportunities that we're looking for. The more we're feeling disempowered. So in the short term, how do we go about getting out of the survival state? I'm gonna talk about four specific practical ways that you can start doing this right now. Because once you start doing this, this starts opening up the door for you to make even more progress at a deeper level. So let's go over four of these steps that will help you get into your executive state, especially when you're about to go into that survival state. So consider this your first level of executive state training. So step number one, it's to learn the emotions associated with survival state. And the easiest way to think about it is this. This is the cheat sheet, so to speak. If it doesn't feel good, it's going to trigger your survival state. If it feels good, then you're in your executive state. So at a high level, that's exactly it. If you're not feeling good, your brain is going to try to survive from this emotion, and if you're in a survival state, it will do it reactively with your fight, flight, freeze response. So what's important about learning the emotions? We need to be very familiar with the emotions that trigger your survival state, because when you know where it's coming from, you have the power to do something about it. Imagine a criminal that's been stealing from your home for the past 10 years, And because you can't find the criminal, you keep getting things stolen from you. But one day, imagine you finally have a flashlight because the criminal's always coming at the nighttime when it's pitch black, where you have a flashlight and you're finally able to shine the light on the criminal. Now you have the opportunity to do something, to try to attempt to stop the criminal. This is what it's like with our survival state. You have these emotions that hijack your brain and turn on the part of your brain where now you're not thinking anymore and you're just reacting. So you've lost control over your actions. Awareness of which emotions are causing this is the key first step. So in in therapy and coaching, there's something that's encouraged for a lot of clients, which is to just build your emotional vocabulary. Whether that's sadness, happiness, joy, jealousy, all the emotions that come uh, from, from the Inside Out movie, right? Um, so the way to think about it is this. When you start learning the emotions, now you can start labeling your emotions. And this is the part that literally can get you out of a survival state and into your executive state simply by building this practice on a daily basis. So what do I mean by this? I'm gonna share a, a story about research that was done on the brain. So they had a group of participants with brain scans tied to their heads and remember there's two parts of the brain there's the, the for the purpose of this conversation which is the survival state brain uh, which is located in the back side of your brain it's called your amygdala and then you have your executive state brain uh, which mainly comes from your prefrontal cortex which is behind your forehead which is where all of those amazing critical thinking skills and every, and creativity and intuition and all that good stuff comes from so the purpose of this research study was to see which part of the brain lit up based on different emotions that the brain was recognizing so here's what happened you had the researcher that would show a picture of someone's face that was in a survival state so an anxious face uh an an angry face a scared face and as soon as the researcher showed the participant that photo what happened was the brain scan detected immediate activity in the amygdala which is the survival state brain in the back of the head so it was already entering into that fear survival state just by seeing the face. But what was interesting was the researcher would ask the participant, hey, can you tell me what emotion you're seeing on this person's face? And as soon as the participant named the emotion, saying, oh, that's easy, this is uh, sadness, or that's anger, or that's fear, what happened was the amygdala turned off, right? The survival state turned off, and the executive state turned on. Activity in the prefrontal cortex turned on. So what's amazing about this? It's when you label in emotion, it literally turns on your executive state. Why does this happen? Think about this. To label something, it requires you to think about it, doesn't it? And when you're in a survival state, you're not thinking. Your brain is literally not capable of thinking because it's just reacting. So that's why if you spend moments throughout the day just labeling your emotions, You're keeping yourself in an executive state. Now, there's a nuance here. I learned it from a great clinical psychologist friend of mine. His name's Nick Wignall. And he showed me that there's a subtle yet important difference on how you describe your feelings. So, for example, there's a big difference between I am sad versus I feel sad. Because when you're saying I am sad, you're using the words that presume that your identity is the emotion. To say I am sad. Indicates that you're presuming you are sadness. So what state does that constantly put your brain in? It's a constant survival state. Compared to I feel sad. I feel sad comes from a place of understanding that the feeling is not who you are. You are separate from the emotion. And the moment you can recognize that, it gives you the power to be able to let go of that emotion if you choose to do so because it is not who you are. So just spending the day labeling your emotions literally turns on your executive state. I feel sad, I feel anxious, I feel happy. And the more you do this, the better you will feel. And it's usually very subtle, but you will feel it the better that you get at doing this with yourself. So let's go over the second step, step number two. Step number two is learning the physical sensations associated with each state there's two parts of your nervous system if you remember from anatomy class or biology class just like your brain has an executive state and a survival state so does the rest of your nervous system it's called your parasympathetic and your sympathetic nervous system Uh, the the simple way to just think about it is your parasympathetic if you it as the brakes of a car for example it slows your body down it helps your body relax and recuperate Versus your sympathetic nervous system, view that as the accelerator, the gas. That's when your body is starting to ramp up. So this is when you're nervous. This is when you feel like you're under threat. You're about to be attacked. Your body's gonna start ramping up to try to protect itself, right? So just view one state as your rest and digest state. This is where your relaxation and recuperation happens and your executive state is able to turn on versus your fight, flight, free state, which is where your survival state is coming from. So think about what happens in your body when each of these states turn on. So if you're in a survival state and you're have a you in front of a tiger that's about to eat you, there's a lot of things happening in your body, isn't there? Your heart's starting to race. Your breathing becomes more shallow because you're trying to get as much oxygen into your body as possible. Your digestion system slows down because blood's flowing away from your digestive system because when your life is endangered, this is not a time to be eating. So it's trying to use that blood flow elsewhere in your body to try to protect you, such as your muscles. And all of these things are happening in your body. But the thing to know is when you're in that fight flight free state, your body is actually wasting a lot of energy to try to protect itself. This is why also a lot of people feel tired who are stressed out all the time, because when you're stressed, your body's in that fight flight freeze response. it's in the survival state because guess what's pumping through your blood when you're in a survival state number one it's cortisol which is the a steroid that gets produced in your body to handle stress and we know that long-term exposure to cortisol actually tanks your immune system this is why a lot of people get sick as well long term the second chemical that goes through your body is adrenaline so this is why a lot of people are tired Even though you sleep all night, if your body's been in a survival state, it's wasting a ton of energy. It's like having a ton of caffeine pumped through your blood every night. So even though you sleep 8 hours or 10 hours and you wake up, you're still feeling tired, that's the reason why. So this is what survival state does to your body. Compared to the executive state, that's when your body's at rest. Now your body's able to actually heal. Your body's able to recuperate, restore balance. And this is an actual physical sensation that's happening in our body because think about it, if you're in survival state for about 70% of your adult life, think about what's happening to your body. It takes a huge toll. So it's no wonder, you know, having come from a healthcare background, I've seen a lot of people get sick simply from things like stress, frustration, anxiety, and their body takes a huge toll. Even to the point where people become bedridden for a period of time where their body literally has to shut down to try to recuperate because... They're not making conscious decisions to rest. So when you start becoming aware of this, think about how often your shoulders might be scrunched up from stress or how often your muscles feel tense. The better you become at noticing this, the better you're able to pick up, oh, I must be in survival state for some reason, even though if it's a habitual pattern that you have. The more you become aware of it, the better you're able to get out of it. Because here's what's really, really important. When you start paying attention to your body more, you're able to get yourself in the executive state even more effectively because guess what part of you is the first part to react to information? It's your body, right? This is why we react without thinking even before it comes to our awareness. If there's a rattlesnake in the corner of your eye that your eye senses and you just jump without telling your body to jump, it's because your body has already reacted in a survival state to try to protect you. So the more aware you become of your body, because if your body's consistently in a survival state and you're not in a life-threatening situation, your body is taking a huge, huge toll on its health. So what's one thing that you can do on a more consistent basis starting right now is taking deep breaths. There's two types of breaths that I recommend to all my clients which is this. Number one is box breathing, which is you just take a five-second inhale. One, two, three, four, five. You hold that inhale for five seconds. You hold your breath for those five seconds, and then you exhale for five seconds. It's slow breathing in. You hold the breath, slow breathing out. The second type of breathing that I recommend is something I learned from neuroscientist Andrew Huberman, where they showed studies of live scans of people doing this breath, and it literally calms your body down. It gets your body out of survival state so that it can turn on the better part of your brain, right, where your critical thinking skills and creativity and performance comes from. So this type of breathing is you take an inhale as much as you can, and then after you take that inhale, you take another inhale, and then slowly breathe all of that air out. So what's happening when you're taking deep breaths because this is a common thing that we hear all the time is to take a deep breath, right? The reason why there's truth to this is because beneath your diaphragm, your parasympathetic nerves, remember the nerves that help your body relax, are located there. So when you're taking these deep breaths that expand your lungs, it tickles these nerves to signal to your body to relax and calm down because you're telling your body, hey, we're not in a life-threatening situation right now. It's okay you're consciously making a decision to communicate that to your body so that your body stops staying in that survival state when it doesn't need to be there. So just breathing does a huge service to your body so that you can turn on your executive state. So step number three is paying attention to what people's nonverbal expressions are. So the more you get better at recognizing all of these non-verbals, whether it's even in yourself or in the other people around you, just building this awareness helps you stay in executive state so that you're not caught up in your own survival state. So what do I mean by this? When you're paying attention to someone else, it takes your attention off yourself, right? So guess what happens when you're in survival state? Who's the attention on? It's on yourself. Because if you're in front of a tiger that's about to eat you, you're not empathizing and thinking about other people, right? You're not sitting there going, I wonder how this tiger's day was. Is he eating okay? You're sitting there focused on yourself. How do I survive here? So when we get better at paying attention to people's nonverbal expressions and thinking about other people in an empathetic way, because empathy is actually turned off in your survival state, you're, you get better at turning on your executive state. So what are some games, so to speak, that you can play to improve you getting into your executive state more often. It's by paying attention to nonverbal communication. So there's a saying in emotional intelligence research that 90 to 93% of communication is nonverbal. There's a lot of truth to this because your brain is constantly scanning that information. So for example, imagine someone with their eyebrows are scrunched with that angry face and looking at you with contempt. Do you think they're in their survival state or their executive state? Probably in their survival. Or someone else who's looking at you with skepticism because they don't believe what you're telling them. They're in their survival. Versus someone with the open arms and huge smile and joy to see you like a child getting excited to see their parent. That's an executive state. Which, by the way, children are amazing at being in their executive state. I remember during the height of the pandemic, my kids could care less of what's going on. They were just really happy to be around mom and dad more. So... When you get better at paying attention to other people's nonverbal expressions, it increases your ability to stay in that executive state simply because you're practicing empathy. Just paying attention to that, right? And the world could use more empathy, can't it? So step number four, paying attention to the way people speak to identify what state they're in. So this is another empathy exercise that keeps you in your executive state because When we pay attention to something outside of ourselves, we have the ability to make it less about ourselves that cause us to enter into survival state. How often have we run into scenarios where someone says something to us and because we're in a survival state, we make it about us when it had nothing to do with us. So that's the thing to pay attention to. And the way I do this, I'll give an example. When I work with clients, one of the types of questions that I get that indicate that they're in a survival state is something like this, right? So people who are trying to grow their businesses will ask me questions like, what should I say to this person to close the sale? Like, what should I say? But when you pay attention to that question and you go beneath the surface, what they're really asking is a question like, how can I avoid blame, shame, rejection? embarrassment, so tell me what to do so that I don't have to feel that, which usually is the wrong question to begin with, because it's not coming from a place of empathy. It's coming from a place of self-protection. So more often than not, I respond with curiosity to try to get to the right answer, which in that scenario, it's less about what to say, and it's more about connecting with the person that you're serving. So, Which is why I usually ask questions like, I'm not sure what you should say yet because I'm not clear on who you're trying to help here. Can you tell me a little bit about the people that you're trying to help? What are they up at night worried about? What is a problem that they're experiencing if you solve this problem for them? It would be so transformative and absolutely valuable for them. And if the client doesn't know the answer to that question, I go, great. We have clarity on what your best next steps are right now. It's less about having a conversation of what to say. And first, it's having a conversation with your target market and talking to them so that we can see what's really going on from them from a place of empathy and see what their experience is like from their shoes so that we can make sure that we understand what it's like to be in their shoes. Then that will help you figure out what to say now that we're connected to them at an authentic level. So how, how do I go about this? The idea is this, whether it's in yourself or in someone in front of you, use this simple question. Are they curious or are they concerned? Apply the same question to yourself. Am I curious or am I concerned right now? Because if it's coming from a place of concern, it's coming from a place of a survival state. If I'm concerned about how I'm gonna close this sale, I'm making it about me, for example. Right in, sales, in the sales world. Versus if I'm curious, now my brain's in an executive state because your brain can't be curious in a survival state. Remember, if you're in front of a tiger that's about to eat you, can't be curious, you're concerned. And that's why you need to be reactive without thinking. But everywhere else, when it comes to leadership, leading a team, leading an organization, we need to have that skill of staying in curiosity. Because it's in that curiosity, you can see all of the possibilities and options that you actually have versus when you're in concerned, you feel like you're backed against the corner and you have no other options. And what happens in the brain is in the survival state, when your life is actually not in danger, it still feels like you have no options around you and you're backed into corner because your brain actually develops tunnel vision because that's the function you need when your life is in danger. You can't be paying attention to all this information around you. You need to just stay focused on the threat. And this prevents you from seeing all the information around you, because when it comes from a leadership perspective or when you're growing a business, your brain is tuning out all the opportunities and solutions that are actually there if you're in a survival state. So those are the four steps that I want to talk about that you literally can start doing today. Number one, label your emotions. Number two, get familiar with the physical sensations associated with each survival state or the executive state and breathe. Step number three is getting better at just paying attention to people's nonverbal expressions. Just take notice of it. Oh, that person's in that survival state based on the facial expression that they have right now or the body language that they're giving me right now. And just notice that so that when you notice people are in their survival state, You understand that their brain is a mode where it's not thinking, right? So it's hard to have a conversation with them about the things that you want to have a conversation about. And when you start noticing that, then it gives you the cue or the signal that, hey, this is a time to connect with them first. Be empathetic, to help them feel seen, felt, and heard first before you talk about what you're trying to talk about. And that always leads to better solutions and better outcomes. Whether it's simply asking if they're okay, how you can support them, or just taking the time to listen to them. When you get better at paying attention to people's nonverbal expressions, you understand that they're in a survival state and you're able to serve them better by simply connecting with them. Step number four was to pay attention to the way people speak to identify what state they're in. Is there curiosity here or is there concern? Do they sound concerned? If they're concerned, sometimes it's less about trying to persuade them towards somewhere, but it's trying to help them feel safe first. They want to feel seen, felt, and heard and safe with you so that you can actually have the conversation eventually to get to the outcome that you're looking for that benefits both of you. So when you get better at paying attention to all of this, it turns on the executive state in your brain to build better outcomes, build better relationships. So earlier I was mentioning how these are all short-term things that you can do to continue helping you get into that executive state. So long-term wise, we want to take a look at how do you create this experience of being in an executive state on a more consistent basis? Because here's the big problem. By the time you're 35 years old, 90 to 95% of your brain becomes subconscious. What does this mean? Majority of your brain is on autopilot. So just like a computer can get programmed to do the same thing over and over again, your brain gets programmed based on the life experiences you've had, to operate at the same level over and over and over again. So this includes things like what you believe, what you think. I don't know if you know this, but you think about 70,000 thoughts a day, and 90 to 95% of those thoughts are the same thoughts every day, and a majority of the thoughts are some form of negative thought about yourself. So no wonder your brain gets constantly triggered into a survival state simply from your own thinking even. And all of this is happening on autopilot. Your brain keeps going into survival state without you telling it to do it. So because of all of this autopilot that's happening, this is why we feel stuck in some way. And it's why personal development content can only go so far because you hear all of that advice, right? To practice gratitude, to journal and meditate but you don't experience the full results of what you're looking for simply because the programming in the brain is just turning on no judgment around it it's just good to be aware of it there is a way that your brain operates at an automatic level and it does it for survival reasons because we do need habits it's just because certain programming is actually not to your best benefit but it's there because of your unique life experiences And your brain keeps doing things without you telling it to even though it's not helpful for you so that's the main question isn't it how do you start reprogramming these parts of your brain that are on autopilot that keep you stuck the parts of your brain that keeps you in anxiety frustration confusion and it feels like this never-ending war to get out of it so the first and foremost thing is you're doing it right now simply by getting more awareness as you get better and better at becoming more aware of what's actually happening here you're getting yourself out of survival state the moment you recognize it now you're able to start looking at your brain's default programming that keeps activating the survival state when you don't want it to be activated which is why i'm excited to share with you that it absolutely is possible to reprogram those parts of your brain so that you can stay in an executive state more consistently. And that's exactly what I'm gonna be sharing about on the next episode that can help you do exactly that. It helps you rewire these parts of your brain that are programmed to keep you in a survival state, simply by taking a look at what's causing you to be there on a default basis. And the specific process that I use is something I call neurohacking. And I've seen it produce some phenomenal transformations in people where they feel a whole lot better because they finally get that clarity. Because most of the time, when you're feeling stuck, it's because there's this next chapter that you're about to enter into. This new season. And everything feels so unclear. And because of the survival state, that's why you feel stuck. So when I implement this neurohacking process with people, It's the very thing that helps you develop new belief systems that activate your executive state. And you also get absolute clarity on what those next steps are. You get clarity around what it is that you want to create in multiple areas of your life. Not only that, you're able to identify the unconscious questions that usually are preventing you from creating an effective and powerful plan that gets you the results you're looking for. And you're discovering the techniques to permanently shift the way you think, because that's what this is all about, isn't it? People who have different lives that we're wanting, doesn't it come down to to the way they think? They just think differently. And as you start going through this process, you also start getting a ton of hours added back into your life every year. Because how much of our time are we spending in survival state, worrying about something, afraid of something? And all of that time could be spent just taking action and being more productive simply by just being out of survival state, following your curiosity, moving towards what you want versus running away from what you don't want, etc. And most importantly, we uninstall those mental programs that have been keeping you stuck. And I want to show you how I do this for people in the next episode. So stay tuned. And as always, feel free to reach out to me. I love hearing from people. You can send me an email at eugene at destinyhacks.co. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you soon.